0: Welcome, everybody. I am Jesse Mogul, and thank you for joining us on the American Contingency Podcast. We are a united, nationwide community of steadfast Americans ready for any challenge that comes our way. We inform, equip, and train so you can prepare, respond, and recover from any man made or natural disaster or situation. And talking about natural disasters or situations, I live in North Alabama. Uh, Very close to Tom Rigsby, who's been on the show. He's the one who runs this whole thing for us, as well as Mike Lott, who is also one of our head honchos. And there are other people who live um, in and around the SEC that have come on the show and had conversations with you all. So many of us are going through very similar weather situations right now. For the rest of the country, whenever I watch football at least, it alerts me to what's going on uh, up in the northeast. Huge snowstorms in the Buffalo area, in the Detroit, Michigan area. So I know that there are a lot of communities right now facing some very bleak weather conditions. In fact, one of our members up in South Dakota was even posting on the AMCON membership site today about some of the weather situations that were happening in South Dakota around the Black Hills and just letting everybody understand what they needed to know in order to be as prepared as possible for the severe weather conditions. And that really got me thinking about what we have been discussing this month on the membership side of American Contingencies website. We uh, post a lot of blogs, a lot of information, and I am the blog writer. So I'm the one who writes all of the blogs. I'm the one who also hosts the podcast. I think we've already discussed that in the past. What's important is that one of the shifts that we've decided to take on this year around the content that we produce within the blog structure is that we take our monthly topic, and every single month we have a topic that we believe to be imperative to uh, helping you understand how to be as prepared to respond and recover within each one of the 12 categories that we primarily operate off of. And so this year, one of the cool things is that Not only do we have them all listed out on the website, which we have done in the past, but in little parentheses, we make sure you understand what month those are going to be covered. And so this month, it was communications within the month of January. So what I did with the blogs was I took all the other categories, medical, security, mobility, food and water, income and economics, health, community leadership, outdoor skills, situational awareness, defense and home and family, and I intertwined those into the primary topic of communication. This gives us a very well-rounded idea of how communication is involved within all the other categories. And so each and every month, we will be doing this with the primary category, discussing all of the other categories within it. So this month alone, um, I've already discussed effective communication strategies and medical emergencies. Very happy with the way that one came out. The role of a secure communications in personal and uh, property security planning was another one that I wrote out. We've got some ones that are going to be about uh, mobility, staying connected on the move, communication tips for maintaining mobility in crisis situations. Uh, Food and waters was about communicating the essentials, educating communities on food and water safety and emergencies. A really great one that's going to be coming out here shortly. We'll be conveying health concerns, communication techniques for navigating health challenges in communities. Outdoor skills is another one. Signaling for survival, communication skills essential for outdoor adventures. And it was this one in particular, the outdoor skills, that got me thinking about what we would discuss today for the episode. Because with this inclement weather comes the great deal of need for us to have communication channels set up so that we know how to communicate with our loved ones, we know how to find out information important to us as far as what's going on within the community, road closures, uh, where there might be accidents, where in our region, our neighborhood, our city, however big you want to see your environment, where might electricity be out? Are they doing rolling blackouts during the day because the electric grid is being tested because everybody's running their heat on high because it's three degrees outside? Communication is so important in so many ways, not just about what will be said and what will be learned, but there's an isolation that comes from having a lack of communication toward those that you care about and the information that you desire. I can assure you, If I was sitting in my office right now all day long, huddled up like an eighth of an inch of snow on the ground, but this city isn't prepared for ice and snow, so we can't go anywhere because the roads are just a slip and slide. If there was a lack of opportunity for me to be able to communicate with the outside world, to make phone calls to my loved ones to make sure that they're warm and safe and have all the provisions they need, I would feel isolated. I would feel left out in the proverbial cold, pun absolutely intended. So as many of us are going to be facing some very severe weather conditions over the next few months, I thought about how much fun it would be to just discuss communication during um, storms, during severe weathers, and being able to navigate these kinds of situations uh, through expert strategies. The relevance to you will just understanding that when you don't feel like you can communicate in the way that you're traditionally used to, the way that your habits have built around for you, you're going to feel some level of negative emotions. It could be anxiety, stress, it could be depression. Any of those could come from all of a sudden your cell phone not working, electricity being off in your house, and you not having any opportunities to communicate with the outside world, let alone just uh, I don't know, kill some time watching some, you know, irrelevant TV show on one of the mini streaming apps that we all have <laughs> subscriptions toward. Um, I certainly know I would be bummed if I couldn't watch the football game that was going on today. So ways that we want to begin to think about preparation for inclement weather is going to be the manners in which we communicate, the manners in which we start to think about the other categories. Because as these inclement weather opportunities in our environments begin to increase, we get these really amazing opportunities to learn from the experiences and then understand what we could have done differently or even more within our preparation to make sure that the next time goes even smoother than this time. For those of you who listen to a show like this, who are members of American Contingency, who care about preparedness, there's probably a lot of provisions you have in place that your neighbors potentially don't. This is where stepping up as a community leader and starting conversations with those in your cul-de-sac, on your street, in your apartment complex, and making sure that they've got the things that they're going to want to have. I mean, it's something as simple as a bunch of candles or a bunch of flashlights, a bunch of lanterns and some board games just to occupy their mind is going to be extremely beneficial to those around you to just step up and help them figure out in order to be a part of the solution to help others with their mental wellness. Um, It would severely bum me out if I knew everybody in my cul-de-sac was sitting around, uh, bored out of their minds with nothing to do, nothing to drink, and no food to eat, and I'm over here in my warm and little cozy house because I've prepared apparatuses to keep my conditions to a temperature which suffices my desires for clothing, (laughs) as well as making sure I have sustenance and hydration opportunities all around me. So let's discuss some of the ways that I have noticed what is essential to know and care about as inclement weather begins to pour itself onto us over the next few months. And hopefully the groundhog will see its shadow and all will be right with the world and March will come in like a lion and out like a lamb. But either way, for many of us, we're looking at at least another three months Of very cold, balmy, and potentially severe weather patterns that we will need to contend with. So let's think first and foremost of the idea of personal and family preparedness. In what ways have you prepared your home and family to make sure that they feel informed about weather patterns that are coming up, that they can feel calm during severe weathers, that They have created and communicated adequately a family emergency plan. When we have our loved ones in the house with us, we can feel comfortable knowing that they're safe and secure. But if somebody were to hurt themselves and let's say have a medical emergency, have you discussed the importance of communicating medical needs during a storm? How to relay that critical health information to emergency services should somebody get themselves into a spot of bother and let's say the adults aren't able to communicate because they're the ones hurt do your children know how to relay information to a first responder in order to make sure that they are able to help you as quickly and as effectively as possible Are your children aware of how to help you out if you slipped and fell on the ice and knocked yourself out? Would they know how to make sure that your neck was being stabilized? Would they know how to get a hold of the phone and actually call emergency services? Would they know whom in the neighborhood would be the most reliable person to go knock on their door and ask for assistance? If within your home and family unit you have not discussed these kind of predicaments, and the solutions to them, you are putting yourselves into a tremendous, uh, I'd say you're behind the eight ball, backed up into a corner. Because if you're out there shoveling all the snow and you have a health emergency and your children are inside watching this whole thing go down, are they going to know how to help? I'm watching children run around my neighborhood today playing in our one eighth inch of snow had me realizing that, you know, if the parents aren't monitoring them and they were to slip and fall, would those kids know what to do? Or would they just freak out and run home? I remember very clearly when I was a kid watching my friend Devin get hit by a car and um uh, being a young little like six or seven years old, I just freaked out and I ran all the way home. And burst through the door and told my mom. Now, certainly my mom was able to help and make sure that she ran over there and was a part of the assistance process. But as a six or seven-year-old, maybe if somebody would have told me, go knock on his parents' door first, that would have been my first move. But you're a child and you're in a very emotional situation and you're going to just make a very snap decision on what you need to do. And that could potentially be running away from the problem. Having communication within the family unit about what children can do is going to very much benefit everyone involved and potentially save a life or at the very least assist in treatment coming even quicker. So understand how medical and home and family can intertwine along communication. Because if you don't start these communication channels with your children or other people in your family, who will? You're the one listening to this podcast, not necessarily them. So now that we've had an opportunity to cover medical, home and family, some health tips. Understanding that you'll be a lot less stressed out and full of anxiety if you have figured out some contingency plans for losing your electricity, for the cell phone networks going down, for there being a lack of an opportunity to communicate with the outside world. We want to really caveat before I walk away from this one. We have a transistor radio here in the house that operates on a hand crank. It also comes with a little lantern and some USB ports for cell phones and things of that nature. And it can operate on batteries, but it also operates on a hand crank. That's something that I got that I think is extremely beneficial because you just never know where if everything else goes down, if you got a hand crank radio, you can at least find out what information is being passed along to the radio stations in your area from emergency services personnel and the proper authorities they will be able to get you information about your very local area whereas even your local news may not necessarily be in your community it could be a couple cities over and they're primarily going to do their best to get information being relayed from your city over you know to the next county but then they're also relying on those citizen Journalists to step up and get information to them. Whereas a radio station in your local area is already going to have those communications channels set up. And since they cover a substantially less um, sized area than your television station potentially does, they're able to get you even more nuanced information for what's happening in your local area that is going to be even more beneficial to you feeling less isolated and more in the know. Information will help you calm down. It may not be the best, whole city shut down, don't get in your cars, we're all locked in our homes for 48 hours, but knowing that is better than questioning that. So now that we've had an opportunity to cover some personal and some family preparedness, uh, let's discuss how community and technologies can intertwine uh, within our weather emergencies. So your community involvement and the technological integrations that you can devise where they will become the most beneficial, again, is in that lack of feeling isolated during emergency weather systems rolling through your area causing a great calamity in your environment. As I professionally mentioned at the very beginning of this, um, it's not lost on me that community leadership is something that we have most been in need of within our society for quite some time. It seems that a lot of people are willing to go on the internet and say this, that, or the other, but when it comes to standing out in front of their community and directing people into certain positions during the myriad of situations that can arise within your community, there can often be a power vacuum, a lack of leadership. Have you prepared yourself in case you are the one who needs to step up in those situations? The role of community leaders is to disseminate information, to organize resources, and to get that kind of resources and the kind of help to those who need it the most during these severe weather, storms, and patterns that are rolling through right now. I know there are a lot of people within American contingency who are more than happy to step up into that community leadership role, but there could be a need for a community leader on each individual street of a neighborhood. Or if you live in an apartment complex with 10 buildings, each building might need its own community leader. To understand how to get information to those who need it most, to organize resources and make sure that nobody feels like they're starved or isolated or thirsty. If there's an opportunity to lend a hand to those less prepared, are you the kind of person who's one, willing to do it, and two, able to do it? And if you don't have the resources to share, then there's opportunities for you to corral other people within your immediate area to see where you guys can all work together to make sure that you're even more prepared next time. I'm not saying you've got to give away your last Twinkie or anything, but certainly if you're stockpiling a tremendous amount of water, it might be super helpful to make sure that nobody else within arm's reach is thirsty too. When we're going to utilize technology for real-time updates and staying connected with loved ones... Our technology is going to provide an opportunity for us to do that. We have discussed ham radios that you can pick up at a big box store, and many of those might be limited based off op- a topographical. Issues, you know, right now I could tell you for a fact that there is probably going to be some topographical issues within the city of Huntsville and Madison based off of the amount of mountains that are around us or the fact that there are severe weather conditions and therefore the signals might not be able to make it to the next uh, little, what did it? One of the people came on the show and talked to, I don't want to call it an interrupter, but he said like the signal can travel a certain distance and some communities have built up um, like antenna for the signal to continue to pass along that chain. But if your community hasn't built up one of those systems, your ham radio may have a very limited range. So then again, what other opportunities would you have for the communication? A lot of it comes down to what have you said before the emergency storm approaches and begins to affect your community, as well as knowing that you could be the one who encourages other people to get hand-cranked transistor radios. Uh, Radios have been utilized since the moment they were invented to get information into homes. Be somebody who talks about this before it's needed. When we think about income and economics around communication in severe weather patterns, discussing with those that you love and care the most about, about the financial implications of missing a few days of work if you are snowed, stormed in. Also, where have you left out an opportunity to discuss the amount of your monthly finances that you're budgeting toward resources to make sure that the next time you are holed up in your home, it is more comfortable. I get we all want to have a savings account and some of us are so strapped we don't even have that. But if there was an opportunity to buy a couple board games and some lanterns and devising a way to perhaps run a little portable heater with batteries, would you prefer to have that if you're snowed in to your home for three or four days or have that $200 in your bank account? I've got this little tiny heater for my office that sits next to me. Um, Sadly, it only operates off of electricity, but I do remember during the holiday season seeing this really cool battery um, charger device that you could take out camping that you could plug this heater into as well as multiple cell phones and computers and things of that nature. Now, it was a little pricey for me over the Christmas holiday. Um, I think it was coming in at about a $500 price tag, but it's definitely something that I'm currently budgeting for. So if savings is what it takes in order for you to achieve the purchasing power to obtain an object that will help you during inclement weather, then I highly recommend that you discuss ways that you could perhaps cut back some spending within the familial unit, and then you would be able to then go off and get this device much sooner than if your kids just don't understand why all of a sudden they're not getting taken out to eat three days a week or getting to go to the zoo or the amusement park once a month. Um, We live in a world today where kids are growing up substantially faster than we were given credit for in the 80s and 90s, which is my generation. Probably even so much more than the 50s, 60s and 70s for those of you of that generation. With the advent of social media and having this phone in our hands at all times, depending on how often your children are on that, they're learning a tremendous amount of information towards so many different topics that we just did not have uh, the ability to get our hands on. We did not have privy to. Those kinds of information channels when we were children of the 80s and 90s. Kids are not stupid. Stop treating them as such. Figure out a way to have a conversation with them that doesn't necessarily scare them or freak them out, but definitely begin to get comfortable having tough conversations with your children, regardless of their age. Understand during childhood development, there are different ways of communicating to a three year old versus a nine year old, but figure out what ways those are and then begin communicating with them. Because if they understand why some cuts are being made around the house for this one particular thing, so we can have electricity during a storm, and you'll be able to play on your iPad, or we'll be able to watch um, you know, the DVD player and watch a couple DVDs if people still own those. We actually own DVDs just in case the electricity goes out. And we can uh, turn our, put our TV or computers Um, plug those into the little uh, battery-operated device thingy that we have that can at least keep a computer charged, and we can watch at least a DVD while all laying on the bed. So we have thought about those things. (laughs) We just have not yet budgeted for the bigger purchases, like the $10,000 generator that my parents have at their house in southeastern Oklahoma. Pretty boss little generator can run their house for (laughs) forever. Um, I think it's even run off of like propane or gas or something to that effect because they have a tank right out by it. I don't know that for a fact, but I do know that they have figured out provisions to make sure that they are not left out in the cold and dark for a long period of time. So now that we've discussed community leadership, are you prepared to step up into a leadership role? Have you talked to other people near and dear to your heart about ways that they can be prepared during severe storms? Have you offered them up links to information? Have you introduced them to American contingency? I mean, one of the beautiful things about our organization is that there's not a high cost to be associated with us to become a member. This isn't one of those $100, $200 a month organizations um, demanding that everybody be astute and involved at all times. Your level of involvement will absolutely depend on what you desire to get out of American contingency. And our price point of you know less than the cost of a value meal at a fast food restaurant, depending on whether you're the five or the ten dollar range, um your membership it goes to helping keep all this stuff afloat, but as well as it gives you access to our entire community and there are people in your area who would be willing to offer you assistance and fill you up with as much information as they can provide, as well as introducing you to additional resources, you need only figure that out. And the coolest thing about it is not only do I put a link into our show notes, but you can literally just go to AmericanContingency.com slash membership, and it'll take you there. So if you're interested in knowing more, go to AmericanContingency.com and click on the link about membership. Join. We would love to have you. We've got some really great videos set up that will help you navigate the website and start to feel um, not only included, but how to get even more involved as quickly as possible. All right. Our next session, let's talk about specialized skills and external considerations. Um, Your outdoor skills and mobility. So currently, I cannot leave my home. Now, I should have said that differently. I could choose to leave my home, but based off of the fact that I've seen multiple cars slide down the road and now their owners are just back in their homes with their car just left wherever it got stuck, I'm pretty confident that the roads are a solid sheet of ice. Thank you, next. No, thank you. All of the euphemisms and slang that I could use to say, I am not going out there and getting in my car and trying to go anywhere. We prepared. We went grocery shopping on Saturday. uh, Once we realized that the weather was going to go this way. We had all the provisions that we needed to make sure that we had our food and our water. Um, I checked the heating units to make sure they were good to go. I did some research on how to make sure that we would drip the faucets accordingly because we were going to have five straight days below 32 degrees Fahrenheit. So there is no reason for us to have to leave the house. There's no reason for me even to have to go outside. I brought in a majority of my firewood into my garage so that I would have access to it. And by majority, I mean, I keep two separate piles, one that's a little closer to the house that I can get to uh, in the middle of the night, and then one that's further away for long-term storage. And so I just moved all that short-term storage directly into the garage, and we've kept a steady fire going. Not Not a rager, Nothing insane, but just a nice steady fire going on in the downstairs living room to keep the downstairs area warmer so we're not running our heat so much. So we don't really have a reason to go outside. But if you did need to go outside, do you know what you would wear to make sure that you are going to be maneuvering within those conditions, wearing clothing that will adequately keep you protected? Uh, I get that these football players those insane no dudes who like to smash heads for a living uh, just seem to be standing no problem on the sidelines but having done some reading about what the Buffalo Bills team did to prepare for the Steelers coming into that game today they've got these amazing coats and jackets there's uh, undergarments under garments that they're wearing that keeps their skin warm there's uh, heated benches and heated gloves that they have access to. There's a lot of provisions that they have provided as well as for the fans. They've got heating units within the concourse and opportunities for people to be able to warm up and specially built rooms that keep it at a much more comfortable temperature than three degrees. So if you're going outside, do you have a face covering so that you're not inhaling ice cold air into your lungs so that your face isn't Freezing, and your nose doesn't feel like it's going to fall off. Uh, knowing how cold I get, how quickly I get cold, I always have a pair of gloves. And what I've noticed that it's extremely interesting is that um, none of my gloves actually keep my fingers warm. They keep them warmer than they would um, if they were just being exposed to the weather conditions. But because the gloves keep each finger isolated. I actually feel like my hands maintain a warmth better whenever I pull my hand, um, my fingers out of the main glove and I just roll them up into a fist within the, the palm area of the glove. And I've come to this determination that it's already hard enough to keep fingers and toes warm during harsh, cold weather conditions. Then to isolate them away from one another so that they can't feed off of each other's warmth is even more detrimental to blood flow in those appendages. So I would just be extremely mindful that part of your outdoor skilled knowledge is understanding what kind of undergarments and weather-geared clothes you should be wearing depending on the temperature outside. Uh, Somebody recently said to me, I like it much better uh, whenever it's cold cold because I can always put on more clothes but I can't get more naked. I'm the opposite. I would rather it be super hot and me have to figure out ways to get cool than for it to be super cold because once it gets into my bones, that's it. I am shivering for hours. When it comes to mobility, know whether you really need to leave and if you do need to leave your home, even if you don't get inclement weather often, do you have um, snow tires or access to snow chains? In California, um, I owned Chains for my tires in case I wanted to go up to Big Bear Mountain because there are times where the weather is so bad up there that if you don't have the opportunity to chain your tires at the base of the mountain, they won't let you up. So, are there provisions and resources that you could put in place to make sure that you do maintain mobility? What if you did slip down in your driveway while you were shoveling snow and hit your head and your family had to get you to the hospital because emergency services were already? Backlogged with other people who have fallen on their driveways 20 minutes before you. Do you have a way of quickly, in an emergency, getting yourself somewhere in a safe manner? Because your car sliding off the road with you injured in it benefits nobody. So understand if you need to go walking, didn't um, have the right boots if you need to go driving then have the right kinds of chains for your tires um if you have an opportunity to you know get a snowmobile if you live in those kind of conditions or get some uh what do they call it not what do they call skis because I understand skis cross country skis so I guess if you needed to go over to your neighbor's house and you lived in a very rural area, you could at least do it on skis, especially if you're in the kind of place that gets five six seven feet of snow you fall down into one of those deep snow banks, you could be trapped there. Let's also talk about um, some specialized skills around food and water. Are you communicating with your family, with those around you, with your loved ones, about how to make sure that food is being kept secure and safe and that water resources um, are being managed adequately during inclement weather and severe weather patterns? Here's the interesting thing about when it's cold. When it's cold, you could, if your electricity goes out, just put the things outside and they would probably stay frozen. Right now, I could take all my frozen food and put them outside and they would stay frozen because it is below 32 degrees. Uh, When we discuss this kind of stuff happening in the summer months, your food's going to spoil relatively quickly. Um, I do know that some of those freezers will maintain their coldness for 24 to 72 hours as long as they're not opened. Um, In fact, Tom once told me a story about how either he or someone he knew duct taped their freezer closed so nobody would accidentally open it while the electricity was out during the summer months. In the winter months, there are other opportunities to keep your food from spoiling, but also if you're trying to keep refrigerated things from freezing, putting them outside, probably not going to get you to that (laughs) result. That's where perhaps the garage would come into play. Uh, Because the last thing you want is all your gallons of water to freeze on your back patio, perhaps even splitting open. And now there goes your water resources. So communicating the best ways for you to keep your food um, safe, spoil-free, readily available. Do you have food resources prepared in case the electricity does go out and you can't cook? Here's what's interesting. is I'm not really sure. Why when all heck breaks loose on the weather front? (laughs) The first thing the grocery stores sell out of is like milk and butter and bread. (laughs) It's like I read these articles on the social media platforms about, well, here comes some bad weather. Make sure you go to the store and get yourself some bread and some milk. Um, And maybe butter is one of them. Either way, let's just stick with bread and milk. Like I get that if the electricity goes out, sandwiches are definitely going to be beneficial. But of all the things that you could buy that don't need a heating unit in order to have them be edible, I don't know if just bread and milk is going to suffice. (laughs) This isn't 1954. There are so many different things that we could eat. Now, I myself would make sure that I had uh, protein bars and Oreo cookies. I'm just saying. I can get my protein and I can get my delicious yum yum on. I mean, wh- why are people <laughs> at the Walmart the other day that I go to, right down the street from my house? All the bread. I mean, it looked like, it like it looked like COVID. That's how it looked like with zero bread on the shelves. Like, amazingly enough, there was all the toilet paper you could need, um, chicken broth chicken broth was something. I mean that area was completely picked through. It's just really interesting the amount of things that were picked through versus the ones that looked relatively untouched. And yeah, I get it. You probably don't need any of those Mexican and food in a box meals if you don't have opportunities to actually heat some things up. Uh that being said, like nobody seemed to be going after the pasta. You could pre-cook up a bunch of pasta and at least have that available to munch on uh, with some butter. You could run it under hot water if that's still available. Um, you could get yourself some a campfire stove and put that out in your garage uh, if it uses those little Bunsen burner type heating unit things. And you could have that out in your garage heating yourself some food up. Um, As long as it doesn't put off any fumes or any smoke, you could literally have it on the cabinet of your kitchen and be sitting there making boiled noodles and heating up some sauce. So I, I just don't get why milk and bread and butter seem to be the first three things people go after. I barely consume 10 ounces of milk in an entire month. I can assure you, when I see a blizzard showing up, milk is not in my grocery cart. I do enjoy cereal, I won't lie. I do enjoy cereal, and that's probably where the 10 ounces a month is coming into play. But if I don't have milk, I can assure you that uh, a little bit of water goes a long way in making cereal um, a little bit more moist. But in fact, I'll eat it by the handfuls. So just understand, Mike Lott said this, when he was on the show back in like episode four or five, he talked about how everybody goes after beans and rice. He's like, I can assure you, uh, if all hell's breaking loose and all we have to eat is beans and rice, no one's gonna wanna be around me. <laughs> so I get that those are the kind of provisions that people were talking about getting, uh, I don't know, back when we still rode horses as our primary mode of transportation. But there's a lot different edible, delicious items that don't need heating units. And there's a lot of technology out there as far as campfire stoves. Um, Do you have a grill? You could open up your grill and you could heat up some things on your grill. Uh, Making sure your propane tank is relatively full on your grill is another thing to think about whenever you're... Discussing ways of preparing food during inclement weather conditions. So communicate with your family, with your loved ones, with yourself about what is it you really want when it comes to food and water. And make sure that that stuff is at your fingertips. It's not like blizzards show up out of nowhere. They're not earthquakes. We have a lot of time to prepare for blizzards. A lot of time to prepare for hurricanes. Even when it's tornado season, we know it's tornado season. Right, they talk about severe weather conditions coming days before they arrive. Have these provisions set aside so that you can subsist off of your pantry for at least a week because you just never know when you're going to need to hunker down in your home and stay there due to what's going on outside your home. I'll close up on defense. Um, This is not one of those situations where we're going to have to worry about roving gangs of marauders coming through our neighborhood looking to take away our provisions. But it is important that you understand personal safety and property defense during chaotic weather situations, uh, especially if you do live in a very remote rural area. Um, Who knows what kind of mentality somebody is experiencing whenever they roll up onto your home. Um they could be intoxicated off of substances um they could be having a mental um health episode that requires medical attention, uh, yet none can actually be accessible to them due to the weather conditions that they are experiencing. So just understand that if people do roll up on your property that you aren't quite sure unless you know them, of course, and they're those no-trust-like people, um, if they are strangers to you, just be wary and you know keep some level of personal defense in mind as you begin to communicate with them about what they need from you and why they came up to your home. Um, again, being in the community I'm in, this isn't one of those situations where people are going to all of a sudden get into scarcity mode and want to start kicking doors in for my bags of Oreos, <laughs> but I am also mindful about my property defense when it comes to ways that it could be taken advantage of. And this isn't just you know somebody rolling up into my garage and trying to steal my firewood, which again, I think is preposterous. I don't think it's an actual situation I would be dealing with any anytime soon. Um, but also, as far as my property defense, what have I done to prepare it for the weather? It's the biggest attacker of my life right now. Have I made sure to bring in anything from my um, lawn or outdoor area that I think might not be suitable to be left out in such conditions? A girlfriend and I brought in our patio table because it's got a glass top. And she's like, you know, I've read things where if it maintains a certain degree of coldness over the long periods of time that these tables can crack. And do you think we should bring it into the garage? I'm like, well, I wouldn't have thought that had you not just told me that. I was like, yeah, let's take the two minutes to carry this table into the garage to ensure that it's not going to break being left out here in these conditions. Or, you know, what happens if uh, the wind causes rocks or debris to fly through our neighborhood? Could it potentially crack that table? So let's get it inside. Uh, Let's make sure that all of the firewood we need is readily accessible in our garage rather than having to put on clothes to walk over the patio, which has got a ton of ice on it, across glass, uh, grass that's also slippery to go get firewood to be then carrying heavy firewood back to the home over all of this slippery terrain. It makes no sense not to think about that stuff. So property defense isn't just worrying about Mad Max rolling up on your house, looking for your boxes of macaroni and cheese and all my my stash of Oreos. It's also thinking about how is the weather potentially going to damage your home and being prepared for that. We do it during hurricanes, whenever we put plywood over the windows. We do it during tornadoes, uh, when we make sure that all of our valuables are locked away in the same room that we have decided to hunker down in. We do this in so many other situations. Let's make sure that we're thinking about property defense when it comes to 10 feet of snow? Is there a way for you to get up on your roof and scrape some of that snow down? Or do you have a snowblower that will allow you to alleviate some of the weight on your roof so that you don't have a potential collapse, cause calamity in your life? Um, What about your cars? Are they properly defended? Have you winterize them, making sure that the fluids are adequately full and that they are prepared for a week, two, three of below 32 degrees weather. Uh, property defense isn't just what might happen if somebody comes into your home or onto your property. It's also about what the conditions will do to your personal belongings and to the safety of your home and those inside of it. Personal safety is tremendously important but neglecting what might happen around your property is equally important because if you don't think about it, that's when you're going to find yourself in a spot of bother and potentially in an emergency situation because you didn't take into account how much snow was going to fall and could your front porch roof actually handle that. Don't forget too about your animals Right, your animals are going to need to go outside to go to the bathroom. I mean, I suppose not cats, but definitely if you have a dog, how have you adequately prepared them? Do you have little booties for their feet so that they're not walking along those slippery uh conditions without there being some sort of traction on their paws? Um, how far will they have to travel once you let them out the back door to go to the bathroom? That's no better for a dog when it's 12 degrees outside than it is for us. So there you go, my friends. That is how we are going to look at all of the different categories and how they pertain to communication within defense, food and water, outdoor skills, mobility, income and economics, communication, uh, community leadership, health, medical, home and family. There are so many different things to think about. And if at some point you feel like, where do I even begin? Well, congratulations. You have found the people who are willing to help you. AmericanContingency.com, we have thousands of members all over the country, border to border and coast to coast, who are here to give you the assistance and the information that will benefit you during times of crisis or just during a shot of anxiety to your heart. Not everything is a calamitous situation. Sometimes it's just any given Monday or Tuesday when an eighth of inch of snow has fallen, but it's turned all your streets into ice and you can't leave your house for at least three or four days till the temperature gets above 32. Sometimes you just can't leave your home. And when you want information, when you desire to know how to be best prepared for situations like this, our community is full of people willing to provide that information to you. Go to AmericanContingency.com. The membership area is right there. There's also a link in the show notes. Don't put off what can be figured out today. And if you're already in a situation where you're like, man, I really wish I'd had this figured out. Once again, we are more than happy to help you get prepared. Because that's what we're looking to do. A ton of uncertainty is in this world. And if we can bring some level of certainty around all of this uncertainty to your life, then AmericanContingency.com is following its strategic mission and helping those who want help. We cannot drag you in here and make you do things, but we can certainly introduce you to the things that you are interested in or maybe didn't even know about. Taking the first step is as simple as going to AmericanContingency.com clicking on that membership button. So go ahead, stop by our website, become a member, and we'll help you feel or hear or even see all of the myriad of ways that we can benefit your life. We'll keep the fire going so you can find your way. We're here, and when you're ready to build the skills, the network, and the confidence to be ready for whatever comes next, join us at AmericanContingency.com. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.